0: This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Phil Miller will join me in just a little bit to talk some twins. Excited to uh, hear his perspectives on what's been going on lately with this team, even though they lost 3-1 to on Tuesday. Some better things happening lately for them, and Phil and I will get into that. Um, some interesting stuff happening with the Vikings and Everson Griffin. I'll get to that after I talk to Phil Miller as well. But first... What did I miss? Got to spend some time talking about the Timberwolves trade on Tuesday that brought Patrick Beverly here in exchange for Juancho Ernan Gomez and uh, Jarrett Culver. Interesting deal from a number of perspectives, and I want to break that down for you here. I think the Wolves got the best player, the best single player in the trade. That should happen, of course, when it's a two-for-one. Um, patrick beverly thirty three years old he 's a veteran point guard figures to be a backup primarily uh which is a little bit problematic given that he makes fourteen million dollars he 's on an expiring contract but um his skill set let's throw the set throw the salary aside that is what it is that that matched essentially what uh Culver and Aaron and Gomez were going to make this year um His skill set matches what the wolves need far better than maybe even Ricky Rubio did a season ago. He can shoot the ball. He's like a 38, a little over 38% career three-point shooter. He's a very good on-ball defender, or at least has been historically. Um, you know, ESPN does a defensive real plus minus rating uh, and breaks it down by position. He was number eight among point guards last season. He was number, t- uh, number one uh, two seasons ago uh, when he was playing with the Clippers both those years. So, Taking that into consideration, two things that the Wolves absolutely need, three-point shooting and defense. Patrick Beverly brings that. He brings a certain toughness to the team that I think will serve them well also. So just from a pure how-does-he-fit-into-the-roster standpoint, I like the move quite a bit. Now, where it breaks down a little bit is on a couple of fronts. One, um, basically it's an admission that you missed on your number six pick in the 2019 draft, Jarrett Culver which you traded up to get, by the way. You traded up and got Culver. You traded the number 11 pick, which uh, which the Suns turned into Cam Johnson, who's turned into a pretty nice rotation player, and also traded Dario Saric in that deal. Both of those guys helped them uh, quite a bit in their uh, in their push uh, to make it to the uh, NBA Finals this past season. So if we can just admit that that was a, a, a bad pick. Now, maybe it was a weak draft. I don't know if you look at everybody who went after Culver and say, oh, they should have taken him. Should have taken him. You know, there's there's a lot of teams that probably missed in that draft, especially after you got past the first couple picks. Of you know, Zion Williamson and John ja Morant. But you know, overall, basically, this is a mission that you missed on that pick, having to trade the number six pick from just two years ago. Um, you know, as part of a not a salary dump, but for a you know for a veteran, essentially what could be a rental player um that that's not a great look but the third piece of it is the wolves still don't have a major upgrade at power forward like this was you know they've made two trades this off season one in which they acquired um Torian Prince for Ricky Rubio Torian Prince obviously can play uh some four uh but in this deal they traded away Juancho Hernan Gomez who plays a little bit like Torian Prince not maybe not as good defensively but can shoot is maybe a little bit more of a stretch four than a traditional Power forward. The Wolves still don't have a lot of defensive help or size inside, at least not that they've drafted or uh, that they've that they've gotten from the uh, you know free agency or trade route. And maybe there's still another move yet to come. They still do have some cap space to maybe add a veteran in there, and maybe they will do that. Um, but you know, overall, they haven't really addressed that major need. Now they created a need by dealing away Ricky Rubio. They filled that need, that backup point guard role, with Patrick Beverly. I think this helps them overall. You know, doing a, looking at the trade machine on ESPN. You know, b- because the deal's not official, you can you can see what they think of the trade. Basically, they say it's a, basically a neutral deal. It doesn't really add wins. In, in fact, it says it, it subtracts a win. From the wolves' projected total, and I did a whole thing yesterday on this podcast about over unders. The wolves' number thirty four point five this season, Um, and you know how they've failed to hit that number almost every year in the last you know <laughs> almost two decades that they've they've really struggled to live up to expectations. So I don't know if this is a deal that like puts them over the top, or you, you suddenly think, okay, this is their year. I think it is a move that improves them on the margins, and I felt the same way. About the Torian Prince for Ricky Rubio deal, like I feel better about their roster right now than I did, you know, a month ago before they made these two moves. I still want to see maybe one more. Um, you know, I'd feel a lot better if there was one more veteran in there that was kind of a plug and play, you know, twenty-five to thirty-minute a night power forward uh, to to give them some defense, to give them a little bit of toughness there. Maybe that's yet to come. Um, overall, I like the Patrick Beverly trade. I think it makes sense for them. I just don't know how much it really moves the needle. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history.
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe.
0: Phil Miller today on daily delivery. Phil, of course, covers the twins, has done so for quite some time. Phil, I, I'm curious because, you know, I haven't been watching the twins as closely lately. Um, I think a lot of other people are in the same boat. You know, you get to August and they've traded a bunch of players. The season is essentially just a, you know an, an audition at this point, but, you know, pay attention, obviously enough for, this job this podcast and just general curiosity to see them playing much better lately you know that eight and three stretch um, beating a lot of good teams in the process I, right off the jump I'm curious what what do you make of their improved play lately is this just uh you know I think before we started talking on on, on the on the podcast here you basically said you know there's going to be stretches like this during the year it just kind of happens is, is it more than that at all or is it just Hey, you know, sometimes you get you string a few together.
1: Well, I guess my answer is both. Uh, we need to remember uh, in in uh, 2016 when they lost uh, 105 games. I think it was uh, one of the worst seasons ever. They had a couple of stretches where they went eight and three uh, during the season, and one of them was against a first place uh, Rangers team. Was mixed in there, and the Red Sox were in there. So 162 games allows for a lot of good and bad to happen so it's it's there is reason to be hopeful in this stretch and it is impressive that they have been doing it with teams that have a lot of reason to win um but it's also uh it's also the randomness of a very very long season um the good parts about this course is the pitching i mean the one thing the, the reason for the tough season that they've had has been their pitching and they traded away their best pitcher and they traded away the reliever that they were using the most and suddenly the pitching is better uh, which is not exactly how you would uh, draw it up. Um, I think the good parts of this are Bailey Over has established himself as a big leaguer right? and I don't think there's much doubt now that he belongs in the major leagues and is going to be in the rotation next year. Griffin Jacks he is borderline uh, but you can make a case for him now. He'll certainly come to camp next year much in the way uh, Randy Dobnak did this year, thinking that he might be the fourth or fifth guy or he might be in the bullpen, but he's probably on the team. I think uh, he's been really impressive especially in the way that he seems to learn from start to start and takes what he learns uh, and gets better. I, um, I don't know if they always projected him to be a big leaguer. I think it's uh, pretty clear now he'll have a career. Um, and the bullpen, harder to say uh, that the bullpen is improvement is for real. I, I think it is in some cases, but they are basically just uh, playing uh waiver wire bingo right now. And uh, trying, uh, trying cast off from other teams and, um, There are a reason that those guys were in the big leagues with other teams. There's also reasons why they're no longer there. Um, it's, it's hard to say that, uh, that any of the new guys that they brought in are long termers, but you can get, you can absolutely get a year or two of good pitching out of, uh, out of a bullpen arm, especially one who has a little bit of experience. So, um, Yeah, I think the pitching is finally starting to come around. The Twins always knew that it would be a relatively good hitting lineup. Um, So uh, 8-3, and um, it's a lot more uh, fun for the fans to watch. I don't know if it – I don't know that we can read a whole lot into it.
0: I made the realization on Tuesday's show that since the – whatever the 14 and 28 start they actually are a little a game over 500 so you know it, it's 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 you know it's hard to say what what to make of it I think we I've have had the same challenge in evaluating the Timberwolves like what do we make of a, a big second half improvement when some teams are playing for different different reasons than others you, you get a lot of other teams are in the dog days in August and September too so you can't get too excited about things like that but i think the the points you made about ober and Jax are good ones in that if you're going to learn anything this year you want to learn about what what pitching might be ready in 2022 anybody else aside from those two guys i'm assuming we're going to keep seeing those guys as long as they're happy with you know the that their innings aren't getting too high things like that who who else i figure i've i felt for a while since the the cruise trade that joe ryan could be a candidate i don't know if that's a wait till september if that's sooner um who else do you want to see and who else do you think we will see
1: well first about ryan it's definitely wait till september I mean, he hasn't pitched uh, in a couple of weeks since the olympics now so sure. uh, and and they don't even know him uh, he, he uh he came to uh, Target Field on Sunday and met everybody and after the game pitched a bullpen with uh, uh, Wes Johnson. Um, so they're getting a look at him. But I, I, I would expect him to uh, get a couple of starts, at least a couple of starts in September um, and, uh, and get a good look uh, before the uh, spring trade next year. Um, one other guy that uh, we haven't seen since oh, probably May Uh, is Lewis Thorpe, who is coming back from, uh, from an injury that has cost him, uh, two and a half months. Um, he's healthy again. It's important that I think for the Twins to, uh, figure out if he is going to be a big leader or not. He has shown signs that kind of jerked him around a little bit this year. Uh, I think he's made three starts and after every one of them went back down. Um, so, I think they next year he's out of options. So, they're going to have to know uh, whether or not um, he's worth uh, counting on and making the team. As for the others, uh, I, I'd be surprised. Maybe Drew Strottman, the, uh, the other guy that uh, the guy that in the Rays trade, he's pitching uh, on a regular basis now in St. Paul. Um, they could give him a, a, a look. But one thing we have to remember this year, unlike most years, is September is the minor leagues are still playing in September this year. Usually minor leagues end on Labor Day, and then it's easy for teams to uh, call guys up and uh, take a look. Um, you can't do that anymore. The rosters only expand to 28 in September, and uh, the Saints need pitching too. And if you're just looking to give these guys innings and work, um there's less reason to bring up a whole bunch of guys well you can't bring up a whole bunch of guys but i'd be surprised if uh if we see i can't really think of any other uh pitcher that is likely to uh come up this year with uh, the saint season the last season of October.
0: from the position player standpoint you know one guy that i've talked about before we even had a short interview with him on the show after he hit three home runs and his Saints debut was Jose Miranda still a young guy only 23 I think has made the jump from double a to triple a and seems like he hasn't missed a a whole lot there either still playing well for the Saints is that someone that we should be on the lookout for or do they want to kind of be careful not to you know, mess with confidence or rush somebody like that who's, I believe, leading the minor leagues in hits this season between those two levels.
1: Yeah, he's uh, having an incredible year. Um, he's not on the roster, not on the 40-man roster, which is not a big hurdle, but uh, it's, a, it's a good question. How much uh, value is there in uh, a couple of weeks of at-bats at another level? For one thing, they have a third baseman um one who uh walks down the uh, baseline uh, these days uh in uh, Josh Donaldson who is trying to play through uh, uh, clearly a uh a hamstring that's not uh, fully healthy if if Josh Donaldson finally goes on the injured list uh i maybe that's a possibility he um is having an an incredible season uh one of the best uh one of the best a position player I can remember since uh, maybe uh, Kirilov's uh, big year three or four years ago. Um, would they bring him up in September? I suppose that there is um, some chance of getting him used to the big league travel, the big league, uh, and, and seeing some uh, pitchers who uh, who really know what they're doing. It would not surprise me, though. Again, with the Saints playing every day he's going to get at bats it's just a matter of uh giving him experience um i don't know that uh, that it, we're necessarily going to see him in uh, minneapolis
0: does it change things too i mean obviously the the shuttling back and forth is easier but the fact that they can go get a look at these guys at triple a pretty much whenever they want probably reduces the need i suppose to have them up here necessarily too if they can just you know go 15 miles instead of however long it is to rochester to to get a better look at these guys on a more consistent basis
1: yeah that's one thing that uh that the players talk about a lot that uh, that fans don't realize is when when these guys were getting shuttled up and down up and down um that's that's packing up your stuff and move, and going back to rochester probably living in a hotel for uh, weeks at a time, because it's hard to get an apartment that you're not going to live in. Um, the uh, that part of it has been uh, terrific for the uh, AAA players. They can just live in uh, the Twin Cities. They can come to Target Field and uh, and see their uh, once and future teammates. So uh, it's good for the organization too. Um, I hadn't considered though. You make a good point that if if the twins and uh, their scouts can just see these guys uh, across town on a given night maybe there's no need to uh, bring them guys bring guys up that's an interesting uh consideration that uh, kind of works against the players i don't think the twins have uh are worried much about that no i don't um, think so it just
0: struck me as kind of an, you know, an oddity that they did they not most markets don't have that opportunity now
1: yeah, it's uh, it's more of them do than uh, than before, but uh, it it's uh, it is a uh, pretty nice thing uh, for the organization. I wonder if it has worked out as well for the Saints. I've uh, been thinking uh, a look back on the Saints season is going to be pretty interesting uh, at the end of the year too.
0: I hope they keep by the way, not to get on a tangent. I hope they keep the 6 game series thing. That just seems like it's how it should be the whole time. Just play Tuesday through Sunday and then Monday is your travel day. There's no need to bus all across the Upper Midwest. Just you know, stay in one place for six days, play this team six times, and get on your way.
1: I w- if if the fans are good with it, uh, you might be right about that. Cut down on the travel and uh, and what's the harm in it? Uh, I don't know if season ticket holders uh, mind seeing the same. Uh, do, do, do season ticket holders come to see the opposition? I don't know uh not, so not in, it's not in triple a unless it's
0: like a unless it's a hot prospect or something like that i don't think they really care if it's the same team a bunch of times in a row
1: right cutting and cutting down the travel is always a great uh, consideration I, I bet the players uh love it because they're, they're there for a week
0: a couple more things for phil miller we didn't really talk about you know some of the guys that are Already here and trying to establish themselves, at least on the position player side. But Trevor Larnick, one of the guys that's been up for quite a while, sent down the other day. He'd been in a pretty rough patch this season. He got off to a pretty good start um, and looked like he, you know, looks like he's still got some long term potential, but maybe some some holes in the swing, some scatting reports, people figuring out kind of where his hot and cold zones are. Um, guy like Brent Rooker is getting a longer look now, especially after Nelson Cruz was traded, obviously Kirilov out for the season with the, uh, the, the wrist injury, um, maybe just thoughts on, on those guys as they head into, you know, 2022 and, and what they can accomplish for the rest of 2021, especially obviously Larnack and Rooker in that case.
1: Yeah. I got a couple of, uh, angry emails as I, uh, do, uh, pretty regularly, uh, today about, uh, Larnik, about, uh, stupid twins. It's a lost season. How can you not uh, keep this guy and give him at-bats? And um, it, it kind of took me by surprise, but when you think about it, maybe it makes a little more sense. Uh, is is force-feeding a, a, a player, Major League at-bats, seeing Major League pitching all the time, uh, it, it doesn't mess with his confidence. If I asked Derek Falvey if you could think of guys that were uh, really hurt by being called up too early, by being thrown in just because of uh, the need at the big league level, and he couldn't really remember the specific names. But of course, you don't remember the guys that that were damaged by it and didn't just become established as big leaguers because they didn't become established as big leaguers. So uh, hard to remember those guys. He does. He does think that uh, it is a uh, concern. And uh, just last night, I was watching. Uh, uh, the Giants game uh, the, uh, on uh, TV and, uh, and Tyler uh, Rogers, uh, Taylor Rogers, brother came in and Taylor Rogers for a couple of years would quietly complain to us that his brother was stuck in triple a, that the Giants wouldn't bring him up. And the announcers were talking about uh, Tyler Rogers when he was in and, uh, and talking about how he's been the best relief pitcher on the Giants staff in their bullpen this year. Uh, he, he's, really a fully developed pitcher and it just made you think you know you really guys do improve with uh with experience uh sometimes they're not ready sometimes it can be a setback and uh warnock has he's such a smart guy about his hitter uh, hitting when you talk to him uh he, he knows what he's doing and he knows what his problems are uh getting the pressure of you have to produce because the eyes of twins nation is on you uh getting that often for a few weeks and letting him uh, work on what he needs to work on in AAA. It strikes me as uh, I, I, it surprised me at the time, but I, the more I think about it, the more I think it makes sense.
0: Nick Gordon replaces him essentially in the, uh, in the, in, on the big league club. I'm having a hard time figuring out where he fits and if he's going to make it. He's obviously got some skills. He's, he's fast. He can, you know, he he does take some productive at bats, and he's versatile and that they've kind of played him all over the field. Is Nick Gordon, you know, is he, is he have super utility potential, you know, kind of guy on the bench or is that not going to, is that going to be a not enough hit, I guess, in his game to, to make it all the way.
1: Well, they think he, they think that's his role going forward. One problem I have with it is guys like that, Super utility guys usually come up as great fielders and worth having in the lineup for their fielding, but um, you're not sure how much they're going to hit. With Nick, it's kind of the opposite. Um, he's had trouble finding a position, and uh, they think that uh, that he's a big league hitter uh, eventually. But uh, and he has a skill set that they could use that they don't have much of. Uh, certainly, this is one of the slowest Twins teams uh, in in recent history and maybe in team history, but, um, so you're asking a guy to learn a lot of positions all at once. Uh, this is not how utility guys are normally uh, created. And I, I just wonder, uh, I just wonder if it's possible to do it during the season. I think Nick has a long winter ahead of taking ground balls and fly balls everywhere and trying to learn the, uh, Finer points of uh, defense. Rocco mentioned yesterday that he could see Nick as a defensive replacement uh, down the stretch for for uh, late inning situations. And I'm trying to think of what position you would play him where he, he he is an upgrade. Maybe left field because Rooker isn't the isn't the most sure glove out there. But uh, uh, I I feel kind of bad for Nick because. I think he's established. He's probably uh, worthy of a big league spot at the plate. But this indecision about uh, what position he's going to play—they—they—they saw him for five years in the minors at shortstop and have obviously decided he's not a shortstop. Um, They really do need to uh, find a position for him, or if he's going to play many positions, you know, he's got a lot of work to do and. You know they kind of sprung this on him. It's probably his chance to stick with the Twins long term. But um, boy, uh, he's—I don't know—that I would consider him a plus defender at any position right now.
0: Which is too bad because they kind of don't have a shortstop next year.
1: (laughs) No, they probably don't. Uh, uh, Andrelton Simmons has turned out to be probably no longer a big league hitter uh, and uh, has been uh good but not great uh in the field i think they're pretty clearly going to move on from him um this was you know the plan was that this is uh, the bridge to Royce Lewis and that we would that's a guy that we were going to see in september uh and and make uh, him ready for the big leagues that's not happening now since he's been out all year um with the knee surgery so uh it will be an interesting offseason to see how they fix uh shortstop i I'm sure it's another stopgap, I would imagine, which keeps them out of the big-time free agent list. Uh, So I suspect they'll trade for a veteran who can handle the position for a while. I don't think they want to move Jorge Polanco back there. Um, So that is going to be, outside of the pitching, that's probably the biggest question mark of the offseason.
0: Indeed it is. I won't ask you to peer into your crystal ball yet and you know i'm, I'm st- still trying to get a handle on is there a is there a quick pivot in 2022 back into contention or do we really think that that's too many if 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 moments to uh to get there maybe we can tackle that in a september uh edition of this instead of mid-august but um phil always appreciate your time thanks for jumping on today and uh, we'll see we'll see what the rest of the year brings maybe they'll uh, gain a little bit of momentum and uh, positivity heading into 2022
1: yeah, I'm surprised at how upbeat everyone is now for a team uh, this far out of the race. So if they keep that up, uh it's it's not a lost last 6 weeks.
0: Good stuff from Phil as always and we recorded that Tuesday afternoon knowing that there was going to be a game between then and when we recorded Twins lost 3 to 1. Uh, But most of the other stuff we talked about holds up pretty well, Um, especially Bailey Ober, another good start for the Twins, like Phil said, kind of establishing himself as a potential rotation piece next season. Been impressed with him, and that's just good news for the Twins that some of their young pitching is showing that they can do some good things this year already. Let's finish this with the cooler, Everson Griffin, uh, former Vikings standout, drafted in 2010, was here for 10 seasons. He played last season with Dallas and then was traded to Detroit. Um, he's going to be in for a workout, our Ben Gessling reports. He uh, was in for a workout today. And, you know, is interesting on two fronts. One, you know, Vikings, Mike Zimmer kind of loading up on familiar players. He always wants those familiar veterans. Bring back, brings back Mackenzie Alexander this season brings in some other veteran guys that he you know Sheldon Richardson guys that he knows what they can do so I'll be interested to see how that workout goes and whether Everson Griffin finds a role maybe as a situational pass rusher on this team again opposite Daniel Hunter you know there's still a battle going on and that other for that other you know defensive end spot he could become part of the rotation if he still has something left in the tank now the other piece of this is more interesting though it's the it's the drama part of it and Griffin if you'll remember, this was even this calendar year, January of 21, unleashed a series of tweets, uh, one of which was very disparaging towards Kirk Cousins, basically an honest assessment of him. I'm not going to read it verbatim because it contains a word that probably isn't mentionable on this podcast, but he also basically laid bare um, the organization's dirty laundry, saying, ask Zimmer if he wanted Kirk. He will tell you the truth. Who wanted Kirk Cousins? Take your guess. Um you know, that was just eight months ago. Like, how, how do the Vikings work past that if they are going to sign him? And it's even surprising to bring in Griffin for a workout, given that history and given that recent history, and given that Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins are still here. I would be very interested to see how that is being played out in the locker room, especially if Everson Griffin ends up signing here. could be another signal of the uh, divide, I guess, between Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, that Mike Zimmer might not care what Everson Griffin had to say in that moment and just wants this player in, regardless of how that player might feel about his starting quarterback. That'll do it for today. Should be a good one tomorrow. Spencer Hall on the show. Next week, Drew McGarry from Defector Media, who writes his Vikings season preview formerly of Deadspin. Drew's been on the show before. Great guy. Um, funny, funny guy, knows his stuff, Vikings fan. He will be on next week to talk about the Vikings and to preview the season the only way he can. Thanks for joining me today. We'll catch you again on Thursday.